0: this is a podcast by wellhouse church where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with god others and ourselves what's going on practitioner
1: what up how we doing Ugh, bruh. <laughs> been a minute, huh? Been a day. Oof.
0: It's been quite a day. I'm currently on hour 13 of my work day. Um, I'm
1: tired. I feel that. I have those days. Fortunately, today was not one of them. Hey, that's good. <laughs> um, I got up at 530. I worked for a couple hours before the kids got up. Yeah. And then I worked for about an hour and a half while the kids played and did some other things later in the day. And then I hung out with my kids all day. Hey, that sounds like Uh, a great day. It was a great day. Uh, I've had them for the last three days. and Three days? Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, had them for the last three days. Hung out, went to the park, played a lot went to the store this morning we cooked pancakes together
0: like it sounds like a really good day
1: just a it, it's the day I needed yeah
0: that's good man I'd love to hear that I'd love to hear that um yeah you you needed a day like this
1: i think i did i did i needed I needed a day to I don't know just with everything going on i needed a a day to remember and really like remember notice and be present in the moment for the joy of my children Mm. Um, it's so easy for me as a person and we're going to get here because i do think this has a bit to play and and say about our conversation about christian witness and mission today for our rule of life, but I, I don't, I'm having to teach myself how to feel. Mm. Um, I've just been a person who's experienced immense amounts of trauma in my life. Sure. Um, and so I do everything in my power not to feel. Because I just can't take anymore. And I'm working on it. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to heal from things to make more capacity to feel and and those kinds of things. But I just don't want to feel. And so my natural thing to do is, and honestly, I think it's partly and no fault of his own. It's just my default. But I can remember for a large part of my life, our dad was working 100 hours a week. Yeah. And not for any reason other than he had to. Right. Not because he wanted to. Um, and I just think I've stolen that pattern that says, hey, if I don't want to feel something, I'll just go to work. But here's the deal. I think part of our Christian Christian mission and witness is to feel. Because mm. God's clearly a God of feeling. Yeah. God gets angry. He's
0: very emotional.
1: God gets saddened. Um. Jesus weeps. Yeah. At times. Um and that's what we're talking about today for our rule of life is our Christian witness and mission. And I'm kind of abandoning Ken's book on this episode. I, I don't I don't really like the way he structures this part. Um because and and I've been I've been pondering this for about a month and I haven't said this to anyone but I've been really pondering this and this is bothering me. Do you remember growing up in the church that we grew up in? Anytime a conversation about alcohol, like drinking alcohol would pop up, what's like the top one or two things that somebody would come back with? Well, you don't want to ruin your witness. Oh. Right? You remember yeah. this? You remember yep, this? Yep, 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 yep. If I can be real honest...
0: Oh, I hate that
1: so much. <laughs> well, it's a fair question. It, it Yes. It's a very fair ruining question. Ruining your
0: witness, being a stumbling block for someone else. It's a fair question.
1: My follow-up question. Why is me having a beer in public ruining my witness any more than me rocking the church bumper sticker on my car and driving past the homeless dude without giving assistance?
0: Or let's... Yes, absolutely that. But also, let's, you know, put it a little bit more in a general context of you cutting somebody off in traffic. You know what I mean? Like, with that same bumper sticker on, right? Like, what is that doing? You know, like...
1: oh, oh. I, I just think that conversation is so much bigger. Because, he, and, and here's the deal. I heard um, Mike Stroop, is a professor at Truett Seminary. And one of my really good friends is Adam Cheney, who I think Adam would consider Mike one of his mentors. Like, they're really close. And Mike was just on the Elijah Rising podcast when Adam was still there doing that um, a few weeks ago. And Elijah Rising catches a lot of flack because one of the things they don't do is read like a gospel track kind of evangelism Mm. tactic to the people they're trying to minister to. And I think Mike says it best. Like sometimes people don't need that. That's right. Sometimes when someone walks up to you and asks you for a pair of shoes, they don't need to know that Jesus can save their sins. What they need (laughs) is a pair of freaking (laughs) shoes.
0: Yeah. I actually love that. Um, I think I'm going to steal that. Yeah. it Or borrow it at least.
1: It really does. When you begin to think about it in those terms, it starts to change the way you view your Christian witness and mission. Yeah. Um, and I think honestly, right? What, what does Jesus say? All the law and the prophets can be summed up
0: into loving God and
1: loving people. Yeah, and also, loving your neighbor as yourself. Like. Right.
0: And, and Paul also has that whole thing about meeting people where they are, too. Um, he does. And in my line of work...
1: Mm, yeah.
0: That's what you got to do. Yeah. Um, I had an experience today with a resident. I had to meet him where he was. Yeah. You know, because he didn't need me to be all high and mighty and and, you know, essentially... Tell him Mm -hmm. that what I think is better, you know, what he needed was for me to say, I hear you. Yeah. I hear your story. However, (laughs) maybe we need to reframe it this way. Yeah. I met him where he was. I see you. I hear you. I use language that he was using. And that is something that this gospel track narrative that we're pitching to people misses. It is. Is we're not meeting people where they are. Jesus met people where they were, right? Like, if you think about it, like with the um, woman being stoned, mm-hmm. he met her where she was. Um, what, What's another one? Um,
1: Heck, take any of... The healing narratives of Jesus. Right. I mean, it's like, look, these people have a physical ailment. Mm. Jesus doesn't go, well, hey, your sins are forgiven, but right. I'm going to leave your body alone. Right.
0: I was thinking like a leper.
1: Uh, yeah. It's like, no. No. Jesus cares for the whole of your person. That's right. And I'm, I'm often reminded, you know, there are numerous stories in the old Testament about the prophets and the prophets for all their glory, they go through some hard times yeah. and there are several prophets that find themselves in states of exhaustion or hunger or whatever. And in those moments, you know, what's always the case. God meets them and provides them their physical need. Yeah. You know, what's never the case God shows up with an angel that doesn't do anything? Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, here's a dose of your spiritual need for the day, but I don't care about the famine that you're going through. I don't care about how you haven't slept in four days. I don't care that you're plum exhausted. Yeah. No, actually, sometimes God just gives people a deep sleep. Sometimes God just gives people some bread.
0: I mean, honestly... Just kind of in words, God cares for you holistically, mm-hmm. right? That's H W or W H O L, right? Um, he cares for your whole person mm-hmm. as you are, as you come, yeah. And if we are to pursue divine likeness in our mission, that is how we should be approaching other people: is caring for their whole person.
1: Agreed, and I think that's. That's the message of Jesus. That's, that's the mission. That's the witness that we're upon. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal here is not to live out a list of do's and don'ts. Right. Um, I just think that's a very, very flawed way of looking at the world, um, and especially looking at our faith. I think the bigger thing here is, if I can be real honest, the oldest person that's active in Wellhouse Church is not even 50 years old. Do you know how many churches would kill to have that number? A lot. A lot. The number one complaint of people in the world, church people, is that we can't get any young families. You know why you can't get any young families?
0: Because you're not catering to young families. One.
1: Well, I think that's part of it. I think another part, if I may be afforded the opportunity to be so bold, is because you know what young families care about more than anything? They want you to be kind. Mm-hmm. They want you not to be a jerk. Yeah. They want to be accepted. They want to know they're cared for. Um, and they don't want to
0: hear, this is what we've always done. and This is the way it's always been.
1: Yeah, they want to know that you're about progress. Mm -hmm. They look around and they see a lot of things in the world that they hate and they don't like and Mm -hmm. a lot of things that exist in the world that they wish weren't there. And historically, millennials and Gen Z are not okay with the status quo. Right. Actually, they're quite perturbed by it. Right, exactly. And so they go upon, pun intended, a mission of progress. Yeah our christian mission and witness should be a mission of progress yeah it should be a mission where we are on a journey of going about bringing the way of jesus in the way that we're told to notice we are told by jesus not to judge we are told by jesus that jesus is the judge and yet How many times have you heard Christians are judgmental?
0: So many times.
1: And from that, because here's the other thing. The classic stereotype of the things that are wrong with Christians is that Christians are hypocrites. You never get called a hypocrite as a Christian if you never judge someone for doing something (laughs) wrong. You ever thought about that? (laughs) If you kept your flipping <laughs> mouth shut and didn't tell people they were screwing up, you'd never get called a hypocrite because yeah. you've never told someone they did something wrong. Yeah. That's ruining your, your witness. witness. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think about this idea, this this, this concept of, not telling people that what they're doing is wrong, right? Our, our dad has this famous. Now, I, th- I think that there's conversations that need to be had surrounded, surrounding sin and, and those things, right? Of course. But our dad has this famous thing where he talks about like, I say famous, it's famous in our family.
1: Infamous. <laughs>
0: I wouldn't say that it's infamous. No, I'm just giving our dad a hard time because I know he's listening. Yeah, and he's said this multiple times. (coughs) Yeah. But, like, God started working on him on his bigger sins, quote, bigger sins first. yeah. And then slowly worked its way down to, like, convicting him for speeding. Yeah. Right? God is fully capable of working out your sins. Mm Mm-hmm. God is fully, God is, he don't need you (laughs) to come in and tell somebody that, you know, cohabitating in an unmarried relationship is wrong, right? He does not
1: need you to do that. He is fully capable (laughs) that if he wants to do that, he will. He is more than capable to do that. I was having this conversation with somebody earlier. And I've changed my mind. I don't want to share that. I think I would have to share some personal details about the person I was counseling with in order to tell that story. Okay. So I don't, I don't really want to go down that road. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's not your job, bro. No, it's not. Like, it, if you really want to talk about living a Christian witness and mission, it must be. It must be love. That's right. Um.
0: Now, can I actually address that for a second? Mm-hmm. It absolutely must be love, hundred and ten percent.
1: And I want to sing the song so badly. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna
0: it it has to be love yeah right your goal has to be love and now that you've said that like here we go I find myself a lot in this hard place where I find it very very difficult to have grace and love on the judgmental people
1: Ooh. yeah me too Same team, bro. Yeah. Which is hypocritical. It is. Yes, it is. It is. And I know that there's
0: lots of our listeners that are probably. Well, thanks for
1: convicting me.
0: (laughs) There's lots of people listening that are probably feeling that same way, you know, or maybe hadn't thought about that yet. But I would encourage you to consider that as an option, like that that is a struggle for you. Um, we were in a church, um, about two years ago now, three years ago now, something like that. There was lots of judgment happening. All was I the
1: on the staff at this church? Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: All over the place, everywhere. Just weaved throughout the culture of the
1: church. It, yeah, it, um, it, it was a pervasive culture of judgment and oppression. Yeah.
0: And I found myself lots of times. And I was also still kind of exploring, um, you know, Catholic theology and those things. Mm-hmm. And so I was firmly, in, like, involved in a Catholic church as well. Yeah. Very fundamental Catholic church at that. Um, and so all I'm seeing from Christianity, both in evangelicalism and in Catholicism, is judgment. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I see. That is my only framework for this time in my life. Yeah. The, the church is just judgmental. And this is wrong, and I hate this, and struggled not hating the judgmental people. Yeah. Um, and that in and of itself is wrong. Um, yeah. Because I still need to be able to approach these judgmental people with love and with grace. Yeah. And, again, can't go up to them and tell them, that your judgment is sin and that you're doing this wrong. Yeah. You need to, you can live this life example of love and grace and mercy and what some would call, you know, liberalism. (laughs) Well, but,
1: um, I think there is, there's a way to do that in a balancing act, right? right? Those things don't happen in a vacuum. So I can remember the same church you're talking about. I was on staff at, And, um, I was the interim pastor and there was a a power struggle at the church and some people that had no business being involved in the things they were trying to be involved in were there. Yeah. And so I had met with some people and I was planning to baptize someone. And so I'd made some phone calls to get the baptistry filled. I was going to do this on Sunday. I got a phone call Thursday night from a person of importance in the congregation telling me that I could not baptize them, that I had to tell them oh, I all this. that I couldn't baptize them because they, it was a couple, were cohabitating. Mm-hmm. And so... I politely reminded this person of the biblical texts that I thought were relevant to the conversation. And Uh, I'll keep those texts. Yeah. I'll keep those to myself. Um, And they continued to tell me that they didn't think I should. And so as a way to circumvent me, they were going to take it to the board. I was like okay whatever so I got a phone call um, that said hey you know we're not sure you know this is a a, an issue so I got to church on Sunday morning I made sure the baptistry was filled and I called that individual into my office Mm. not to judge them it really was not to judge them. It was really just to show them the error of their ways. Right. And so I sat that individual down and I said, I didn't call you in here to argue with you. I'm actually not going to do that. I think you're wrong. Um, and I want you to know, here's the sermon that I'm going to preach this morning. Do you remember what the sermon was?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: It was when Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch uh, <laughs> Man, in Acts 8. Now. I do remember that. Because the deal is, is like, can you imagine the baggage that comes with being a eunuch? Yeah. Um, if you don't know what a eunuch is... Just do a quick Google search. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know how to explain it without getting marked as explicit. So yeah. uh, just do a quick Google search for what a eunuch is. E u n c e u e u n c h eunuch. Um,
0: Why did you say that like you were in a spelling bee? <laughs> like you spelled it and go, eunuch.
1: <laughs> well, because I had to think about, is that actually ha- is that actually all the ways that you spell it? But it, it just sounded like, yeah, a, like yeah. you were in a spelling bee. I'm a nerd, okay? Leave me alone. <laughs> anyway, so I brought this individual in, and I, I sat them down, and I told them, I said, this is what I'm going to preach, and this is going to be my punchline. Now you have a choice set before you. This is a narrative you want to control. If you don't want me to baptize them, you go tell them. Mm-hmm. yeah, To their face. Don't go through me. You go tell them why they're not worthy to be baptized this morning. If you remember, I baptized both of those individuals that morning. You did. Because it's not... It's not your place. It's not my place to judge. No, God is the God of redemption. That's right. And unbeknownst to us, God redeems how God chooses to redeem.
0: That's right. That's, that's actually where I was about to go.
1: And we, we don't get to be the guardians that's right. In in creating and maintaining the narrative of what God's redemption looks like. Because if we were, if I can just be real honest, if we were the guardians of that redemption story, I wouldn't have Joshua. Yeah. I wouldn't have redeemed that way. Yeah. And yet, God and the people of God sought redemption in a way that I think is actually quite problematic. Yeah. Because God's allowed to redeem how God chooses to redeem. And your judgment the way you live your life with a lack of kindness and Christian care and hospitality, I think are bigger statements that ruin your witness than you having a beer or you saying a one-off cuss word or you doing these things that traditionally, right? I remember growing up, what's the age old saying? Don't,
0: don't drink, don't smoke, don't don't, chew and don't don't, run with girls who do. Yeah.
1: Don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, don't chew and don't run with girls who do. Um,
0: which, Purity Culture written all over that. But like. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. <laughs> but, what, Cullen, what is it that I always say that the individual is?
1: I don't know. You talk a lot about the individual. They're their own expert. Yes. Yes, right. you do
0: say that a lot. I say that all the time. The individual is their own expert. And guess what? God is also the expert on that individual, too.
1: Well, actually, I would... Oh. I would venture to say that God's more the expert if sure. I could interrupt you. because That's fine. This is what I can say. This is what I wanted to say, and now I figured out a way to say it earlier about the conversation I was having with the individual. You've experienced things in your life, yep. traumas, sadness, things in your life that your subconscious has said you don't any longer need to remember. That's right. You know who remembers those moments? God. God and not only in some kind of cognizant oh i have empathy in that kind of way no god remembers the pain
0: because he cares about your whole person
1: god remembers what you felt that's in right. those moments god remembers that's
0: right so with that being said the individual is their own expert but god is the master of that individual Right on a master expert. The master expert. Right. That's probably a better way to say that.
1: No, don't well.
0: Has a mastery level of knowledge in this person's situation. Yeah.
1: I just want to clarify though. Don't don't hear me saying like making that clarification as me saying that God is not our master. Because I definitely think that is the case as well. That is what Lord means. But in this conversation, master expert,
0: I think it's Master expert, mastery level of knowledge. Yep. Right. You are the only one in this scenario that is a novice. Oh, fair point. Yeah. You are the only person in in this relationship that is a novice. Uh. You do not know that person as well as they know themselves and not nearly as well as God knows them. So how about we approach it with love, with grace, with mercy, and meet them where they are, and the needs that you can see and that they express.